You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 3-1 pitch, swing and a drive. Deep to right field, way up there, way out of here. Goodbye, baseball. Eight strikeouts for the King tonight and make it... 23 consecutive scoreless innings for Felix. Strike three called on the outside corner, and there it is. It's time for the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Kyle Seager, that just happened. Thank you very much. Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. And welcome back, Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Thanks for being here once again. And what will be another very fun game to talk about. As the Mariners break out the brooms, they sweep aside the Tigers. What a homestand for the Mariners. We have a lot to talk about with the game yesterday. Also coming up, great conversation on the way as we get to talk to Jesse Smith once again. He's the manager of analytics for the Seattle Mariners. Very interesting conversation. He's going to give us really an inside look at the shift. He's going to dive really deep into what they look at with the shift. Some really good info. I think you're really going to love it. That's on the way. We'll also talk some catcher framing as well, along with Mike Zanino. So really, really great conversation on the way. So that's going to come up. We're going to have a ton of reaction from the game last night. It was just sensational. I mean, this is baseball at its best when you have Verlander and Felix Hernandez. I mean, two guys that are two of the best that there have been the last number of years. Verlander and Felix Hernandez. They have been aces of their staffs for a long, long time. They have done battle plenty of times, and they went toe-to-toe in the game last night. And it was I mean, they turned back the clock. Verlander over 120 pitches. Felix 117 pitches. And for both pitchers, especially what happened the night before in extra innings, both pitchers knew they needed to give their teams long innings. They needed to get deep in the ball game. And the game held so much importance for so many reasons. For the Tigers trying to salvage the final game of the series and trying to keep the Mariners off of their heels for the M's looking for the sweep, trying to keep the momentum going and really closing in on both the Tigers and the Red Sox. So there was a ton on the line and the two aces were just dealing so much fun to watch, but it was the Mariners who scored first. It's been the M's seemingly coming from behind every single ball game, but the M's got on the board in the first inning. Robinson Cano going yard. The one-two pitch, swinging a fly ball, well hit left field. Upton to the one, he tracked to the wall, leaps up, goodbye baseball. Robbie Cano with an opposite field home run. He parks it into the Tiger bullpen in straightaway left field. His 25th home run of the season, and the Mariners score the first run of the ball game. They lead it one to nothing. And for Robbie, extra base hit number 769 in his career. That passes John Olerud on the all-time career list, which I think is pretty cool. Former Coug, former Mariner, John Olerud. That's an impressive number, especially given where Robinson Cano is at in his career. That is a big, big number. And he has passed 
mean, he's already passed Tony Gwynn and Wade Boggs, and you go down the list, he's passed a number of guys on that list. Stacking up the extra base hits, hits the long ball there, one nothing the Mariners lead, but if Verlander was locked down after that, he ended up going seven, giving up just seven hits. That was the only run. Walked two, struck out six. His breaking stuff was awesome. He had the firm fastball going. I mean, it was vintage Verlander. He looked great. Felix, meanwhile, he was outstanding as well. He just gave up one run, but he had times where he was just dominating. The windup and the one-two pitch. Check swing and a pitch in the dirt. Did he go? Yes, he did. Strike three, and that'll end the inning. Strikeout number four for Felix Hernandez. He strikes out McCann, and now he strikes out Avilas to retire the side. Sixth inning got a little bit sticky after a couple of walks in a row. Cabrera and then Victor Martinez, but he would end the sixth with another punch out. The one-two. Swing and a miss for strike three. The changeup finishes off J.D. Martinez. The Kings' sixth strikeout through six innings. And Miguel Cabrera, the go-ahead run, is left stranded at second base. And then the seventh inning, he enters the seventh over 100 pitches, but he made quick work of the Tigers in the seventh. The Kings, 1-2. Swing and a lift out towards left field. Oki breaking, angling towards the gap, and he makes the catch. McCann flies out to left field, and Felix goes seven innings, a season high, 117 pitches. And he faces the minimum here in the seventh. He's allowed just one run over seven innings to the Tigers. He also got some help along the way, a couple of double plays, and one may have been Seager's best play of the year. It was fantastic. The pitch to McCann. He swings and rifles this low. A late skipper to Seager. Snares it, throws to second for one, and on to prime. How in the world did Kyle Seager stop that from finding the grass in left field? Absolutely incredible. It looked like he was going to catch it in the air and just a late skip, but it was a blast, and he fielded it from his knees, a rocket to second. Then the quick turn to first, the double play. A smooth play by Seager. A couple of double plays behind Felix in the game. Defense helping the cause. And for Felix, seven innings, three hits on four walks and eight strikeouts. Exactly what the Mariners had to have because you just did the math on the situation. Uh, you knew Diaz was going to be down. You knew Will Helmson was going to be down. You suspected that Storin was down as well after two innings. I kind of thought that Caminero might be down as well, but we saw Caminero come out for the eighth inning, and he was outstanding once again. A clean eighth, keeping the Tigers off the board. He goes one inning, no hits, no runs, no walks, and no strikeouts. And talk about a debut series and a timely deal. He pitched five innings in the series in three games, five innings pitched, no hits, no runs, and high leverage the entire way. A timely, timely deal for the Mariners because he stepped up huge in this series. So a clean inning in the eighth. It's still a 1-1 ball game at that point. But then the Mariners, they break through in the bottom of the eighth. First, it was Nelson Cruz. The 1-1 pitch swing and a fly ball deep into center field. Collins back to the warning track, to the wall, leaps up, goodbye baseball! One swing of the bat, Nelly Cruz with a home run and 
the Mariners have the lead. Two to one here in the bottom of the eighth inning. His 28th home run of the year. Cruz with a missile straight away center field. And the Mariners lead Detroit two to one. Holy smokes, how sweet it is. Mariners have hit some big eighth inning home runs. And this homestand, another one right there, a solo blast, but they weren't done in the eighth inning. They added a crucial run after that as well. So they scored two in the eighth to make it three to one. Mariners leading going into the ninth, and they turn it over to Nick Vincent, who has one save this season, his first career save, looking for another one. And it was not going to be easy as he had to face really the heart of the order, but he goes through Upton to end it. Vincent looks in the stretch and the 2 2 swing and a miss strike three and it's over. The Mariners win it 3 1 over the Detroit Tigers and they sweep aside the Tigers in this three game series. The Mariners have won six in a row, eight of their last nine. Holy smokes, how sweet it is. The Mariners with a 3 1 win over the Tigers. And right now, the Mariners just a game and a half back in the wild card race. Yeah, there it is. Six in a row, the Mariners have won. They have the best record in the All Star break, 15 9. They are one half game back from the Tigers, one and a half back of the Red Sox for the second wild card let that sink in for a second a half game back from the tigers one and a half back from the red Sox for the second wild card off day to day which in one way is is too bad with the way they're playing in another way a big off day to the bullpen gets a chance to reset also a question about friday as well miranda was you know he was available out of the bullpen if needed today so We'll see about his start on Friday, but we're going to preview the series against Oakland coming up in the podcast tomorrow. We'll also talk a lot about the Red Sox and the Tigers and also the Astros and the Rangers as well in the podcast tomorrow as we look at what they have coming up in the next uh, couple of series as well. Wow, just what a ball game it was. I mean, that was that was a special game at Safeco Field with two just aces dealing and the Mariners end up with the win they sweep aside the Tigers and they are playing fantastic baseball right now the longest winning streak in the American League six in a row let's hear from the King Felix Hernandez who had something pretty cool to say about what Justin Verlander said to him before the game what was this today it was fun <laughs> it was fun it was it was a great game I mean, I talked to Belanda when we warming up. I said, hey, you and me again. He told me, like, let's do this. And uh, it was a great game. I mean, you're facing a great line, great team, good pitcher. you got to raise the level up, and that's what I did tonight. Facing him in a totally different situation, too. I mean, you guys, you're playing for something. They're right in front of you. Yeah, yeah, we play for something. And, I mean, I contrast ourselves better, better command, better mechanic. I mean, tough I bad against me and Ian and Victor. But, you know, I mean, got to face up the guy, get him out. How do you get through that at bat and you're still smiling at the end? I mean, and Victor follows too. But, I mean, just when you're going through with 
with Miguel? What are you trying to do there? Uh, you got to mix. You got to mix everything. I mean, it's a great hitter. It's one of the greatest hitters of all time. So you can't make any mistake. You cannot leave any pitch around the plate because it's going to hit it. If you're going to hit it, it's going to hit it far. So just trying to make good pitches, trying to be down in the sun and, and see, we'll see what happens. He walks and Victor. He, yeah. yeah, I mean, those guys got my number a little bit. I mean, Miggy, we got him out of the first two at bat. I think he's there at bat. He was like, you're not going to get me out. And, and it was tough at bat. It was like 13 pitches, I think it is. And a walk. And Victor is tough, too. I mean, he's, he had a great approach. And, but like I said, these guys, I mean, we got it. There was a great game all around. We played defense. Clutch and eight, and we win the game. Not letting you off that easy. What'd you say to Victor when you were walking off in the sixth? Oh, nah, I'm saying, he told me, like, you tough. I was like, you too. And the beautiful thing was, was you came back the next inning, too. Your pitches were up there. And... Yeah, I mean, he asked me, Skip asked me how to feel. I was like, you know what? I'll go back here. I'm going feel fine. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get through this inning, so. You've been battling a little bit since you came back. What, what's been work? What worked today? You know, better mechanic, better command. I mean, I, I was out of the middle of some. I mean, I wasn't living in both sides of the plate. And good breaking ball, good changes. It helps. I think you have to love what we've seen from Felix the last two starts, especially, I mean, you take away the first three batters against the Angels. He gave up one hit from the first three batters on in that game against the Angels, and then he dealt against the Tigers. So you look at these two games back-to-back, and this if this is going to be the Felix down the stretch, it should bring a smile to your face if you're a Mariners fan. And the pitching in this Tigers series was sensational. I don't think we can uh, heap enough praise on the pitching staff in this series. How about a 1-6-4 ERA in these three games? 31 strikeouts and nine walks in 33 innings, allowing just three home runs, which is impressive. Keep in mind, the 11 games previous to this series, Tigers were rolling, scoring over six runs a ball game. They had blasted 16 home runs. I mean, the offense was a juggernaut, even with a couple pieces missing. Cameron Mabin out of the lineup in this series. Castellanos, the third baseman, out of the lineup as well. Even with those missing parts, you still have Cabrera in the middle and Victor Martinez and Kinsler and everyone else. It is a tough, tough lineup. And the Mariners pitching staff really handled this lineup in the three-game series. Really impressive. The bullpen was spectacular. Rotation was excellent. This is a big series win and a great series win, a series sweep over the Tigers. Really impressive stuff. Let's hear from the skipper. Here's what Scott Service had to say. Yeah, with um, where we were with our bullpen tonight and what we needed out of Felix and, and then the guys that came in behind it, um, a great effort, good baseball game, you know, really all the way around. Uh, Verlander was typical Verlander, you know, very tough, but uh, Felix was in great position, was, was rolling along, and then, the, you know, he ran into the roadblock of uh, Cabrera and Victor, um, just grinded those two at-bats and, and ran the pitch count up. But, uh, you know, we talked about it after the six, and, and said, I needed to go back out there. He said, I got it. I, I feel good. So, uh, you know, getting through seven was really important. And, you know, uh, Caminero, three days in a row, new guy. I mean, you can't say enough uh, for the job he's done. And then, you know, big homer, and here we go. We got a chance to win it. and. And we wanted to stay away from DS tonight, which is 
it's hard. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Uh, when the ball goes out of the park by Cruz, it's, it's where you want to go. But, you know, we have to stay disciplined, um, you know, with the program there, with what we're going to do with him, because we've got a lot of baseball left to play. You like the right-handed matchup. I really do. Yeah, and Nick's been great all year. Uh, against the righties, he's got a good plan and approach, and he knows how to locate his pitches. He's very deceptive. You know, it doesn't wow everybody with the gun, but uh, the results are, are very, very good. I feel like the results obviously were there, but what did you see in him getting to that? Yeah, you know, he, he was sharp early um, and, and really didn't have his curveball until late. He started to find it uh, a little bit later on, but. Uh, you know, stuff's good. It's again, it's a very good hitting team over there. Um, they certainly uh, I, that Miguel Cabrera at bat might be the death of me. <laughs> I just could, we just couldn't get him out. You know, he kept fouling it off, and as those pitches are clicking, I'm thinking who's going to pitch where we're headed. You know, and stuff. But he got through it, and uh, you know, that's that's what he does. That's that's why he's Felix. That might have been. Do you guys understand that though? I mean, coming in Oh, no doubt, no doubt. To have a chance to win that game, and you know, that's each team's horse. They know it. Um, very competitive game. Good baseball game. You know, well pitched, well played. Uh, a couple timely hits, and, and a lot of good at bats on our end too, uh, because we had Verlander's pitch count up early, and then he kind of got through. You know, he, he settled in a little bit. So, uh, very competitive game, obviously. That might have been the best Felix's look since coming off the. DL. No doubt. Yeah, without question, and maybe one of the better outings that he's had all year. You know, maybe not all the strikeouts that we're used to seeing, but located, kept the ball down. And, and one thing Felix does is the more I've been around him here now, um, obviously he's been here a long time, but watching him, he does not give in late in the game. You know, he, he's not going to beat himself. He's going to continue to make pitches, and, and that's why he's Felix. What did you see from this homestand that you uh, like to see carry out to the road yeah, trip? Um, we had a tremendous homestand. There is no doubt. Uh, I think it's something that a lot of things are starting to come together. Um, you know, whether it's, it's our bullpen, Kind of, you know, jiving. Everything. The pieces are starting to come together there. The uh, the offense, the timely hitting, um, just the belief in our team. And, and I think, you know, I, I believe it or not, I think the Griffey thing uh, the other night was huge. I really do. It energized our ball club. Uh, it energized the feeling around the organization and really in the city. And it's up to us to kind of continue it on. And we've done a pretty good job of that. A couple of good by Martin. Like yeah. Yeah, obviously, Leonis had a tough night last night. There's no doubt. And he came back today, and you know he's the same guy talking and chirping in the dugout and screwing around, and and um, you know, just getting the bat on the ball is huge. And you know, a couple big hits for him today. I was really happy for him because that's tough. You know, you strike out five times in a game to come back the next day and be the same guy, and it says a lot about him and kind of how he's matured as a player. It's starting to come together, Pepper. It's starting to come together. <laughs> what? One of my favorite movie lines. It was just ringing in my head after the ball game and it, hearing Scott Service mention coming together a few times. That that line is just playing. One of my favorite managers in baseball history, Lou Brown. It just plays in my head after watching the game and hearing Scott Service again. Mariners win 3-1. to one. <laughs> I'm sure most of you know the reference, right? I mean, it's... That's still top of mind for most major league. That's top of mind for most baseball fans still, right? Has everyone, am I talking over the younger, the younger generation of the podcast listeners? Willie Mays Hayes, nothing, no one, I don't know. I guess I'll find out <laughs> when this airs. <laughs> so 
Robinson Cano, huge home run in the ball game. Here's what he had to say. I'm down here with Robinson Cano. And Robinson, going into a game like this, you had to know it would probably be a very close game. You give them that home run in the first, giving Felix a little bit of breathing room there. How important do you think that was? Well, we know the pass. 10 a year, we got the best two guys on the mound. And we all know it's going to be a battle. But, I mean, you, you want to take advantage earlier. And uh, I was able to make a good swing on that one. And thank God they went out so we can put Philly on the board. Had a heck of a home stand here, eight and two, and the timing could not be better. What have you seen from your team this week? Well, the, you know, like like I said from the beginning, we're on the same page. We want to win, and we keep battling. Just team going our way right now. You're a guy. I know that you watch the standings from day one. You're a scoreboard watcher. What do you guys need to do the rest of the way here? Like I always say, we got to keep winning. No matter what the team does, but um, we got to keep winning. Felix out on the hill today to see him go out and give you seven innings to come out have that clean first inning. He was dominant. What did you see from him? Well, I'm not surprised. That's the guy that I know. And, and a guy that goes deeper in the game and throw a lot of pitches. And it was good to see him throw 115 pitches today and see how filthy he was. Scott Service said he talked to you guys at the beginning of this homestand and said, don't be afraid to take chances. If we're going to get to October, we're going to need to play all out and not be afraid out there. What impact has that had on this team over the last 10 days? Well, that's one of the best matches you can ever have. I mean, there's a lot of young guys that haven't been that long in this game, and uh, you can be afraid. you got to take chances, and uh, when the other team give you chances, we all know we're going to face a like, team like the Tigers. And uh, Anaheim is one of the teams that always... We had to battle to the end of the game, and, uh, you know, we played really good, and we just got to keep fighting. Lastly, back-to-back -back sweeps, great homestand. What do you want to take from here, the homestand to the road? Just the same energy, you know, the same momentum, same energy, and just keep battling to the end. It's a lot of fun to watch. Thank you, Robert. Thank you. Nelson Cruz, a big blast as well. Here's what he had to say. Yeah, yeah it was nice. I think, uh, I mean, everybody is... Uh, Expecting that something do good, you know. Um, as a team, we, we have a really good team, and like I mentioned before, I think the Griffin weekend, you know, it wakes up everybody. You guys knew you were capable of this, though. You just had to see it. Yeah, we put everything together. I think we have a lot of injuries, you know, Marte, um, Felix out, Nick was out, so it's nice to see everybody coming back, you know, and uh, do what we're supposed to do, you know, win games. What was it with the Griffey weekend? Was it the crowds? Was it just everything? I think. Uh, I mean, the crowd. I mean, I mean, you can feel from the energy. You know, they had they bring a lot of energy, and um, it's nice to see uh, the support from the fans. Got here a little bit late, but what'd you get a hold of there? Um, fastball. Yeah, fastball. Uh, he's always aggressive with that pitch. So quite a battle today with the pitchers. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, they. They're going in. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. We they 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 both. Uh, pretty good at that, you know. They know what they're doing, and uh, that's why they've been so successful for so long, you know. Uh, uh, good thing we win, you know. Felix do an amazing job in the bullpen, like, lately, you know. It's standing. Yeah, so you guys, you know, that last road trip, it ended with such a tough game in Chicago and a long flight, and then the next day, a tough game with Boston, and then you guys took off. That's before the Griffey weekend. What happened there? Well, um, like I mentioned, you know, I think we put all the pieces together, you know, the guys that we miss, uh, Felix, um, it's huge, you know. He's um, always so. When he came in, you know, definitely we know we can we can we can take off. And it feels like they're taking off. I mean, that's the way it feels right now with health. And it it is interesting to hear, not only Scott Service, some of the players as well allude to 
the Griffey weekend, and you start to wonder, is that is that something we'll be pointing to as the next few weeks progress? I mean, that was a spectacular weekend all the way around. And what a homestand, splitting with the Red Sox and then sweeping the Angels, sweeping the Tigers. Just a sensational homestand. Eight and two in the 10-game homestand. Now an off day today. Then starting Friday at Oakland and then back to the Angels for four and then back home next weekend. Can you imagine what Safeco Field's going to be like the weekend against the Brewers and then the Yankees come in if they continue this role on the road against the A's and the Angels? How much fun will those six games at Safeco Field be? Just let yourself think about that for a moment. <laughs> oh, Wow, what a game that was last night. What a series, what a homestand, everything else. That was that was great stuff. Now, tomorrow we're going to dive into the A's. Very interesting. Don't get fooled by the overall record. The A's just swept Baltimore. So we're going to dive into the A's. We'll get the, a perspective on them uh, from Alex Hall coming up tomorrow. He's going to give us the inside what should we be looking for, and how well they're playing right now. So that's going to come up tomorrow. Right now, we're going to talk to, I love talking to him, Jesse Smith, manager of analytics for the Seattle Mariners. I think you'll enjoy this. Well, this is going to be a fun conversation, as always, as we connect again with Jesse Smith here with the Seattle Mariners, manager of analytics. Great to talk to you once again. It's so fun uh, talking to you, diving into some of this stuff. We're going to revisit something we've talked about before and it's the shift and what's going to be fun about this conversation I think it's I think a lot more nuance than most fans even realize talk about how nuanced it is when we talk about the shifts and what you do with it defensively thanks again for having me Gary yeah so we've been uh, developing a lot of uh, tools for nuanced analysis of the shift that I think uh it's just it's too hard for the naked eye to see oftentimes, and I think the fans will find it really interesting. So if you heard me talk last time I was on here, I, I, I mentioned that the way, best way to start thinking about the shift is to imagine the infield in the straight-up alignment, where like the, the classic alignment of the last 100 years of the game, where in today, if you have no other information, that's where the, that's where the players will go. Uh, you know, more or less just spread them out because you know nothing about the batter, so just cover your bases. Now in today's game, the straight-up alignment is less and less common to the point that it's, it's, it's employed less than 50% of the time across the league. And the Mariners, in fact, again, right now, use the straight-up alignment least of any team in MLB. Uh, against left-handed batters, we're in the straight-up position roughly 15% of the time. And against right-handed batters, we're in the straight-up alignment about 40% of the time. And when I say that, I mean on balls in play in the infield. And, uh, you know, that probably tracks to times when the ball doesn't go to the infielder. But for our purposes, we're only tracking when it actually matters on balls in play. Uh, so I think a lot of fans focus on the extreme shifting uh, but, you know, the straight up could just mean being out of straight up could simply mean that you have one guy 10 feet over. Maybe you have uh, the shortstop in the six hole. 
or the second baseman playing, you know, not on the, not on the uh, third base side of the bag, but just close to the bag, which we see a lot. That's something that we do quite a bit. Uh, so moving over to extreme shifting, we are also very aggressive in that area. So far this year, we've been against left-handed batters. We've been in the extreme alignment, with meaning three infielders on one side, about 50% of the time on balls in play, which is pretty astonishing to think about. Uh, and on right-handed batters, it's at about 9%, which is actually fifth most in the in the game. Uh, I believe Tampa Bay is around 20, 25%, and they're kind of in a league of their own in terms of how aggressive they are against right-handed batters. Uh, so that, that speaks to the frequency of what we're doing, but I think fans and uh, evaluators like ourselves are we're more interested in how successful it is. Doing it often doesn't mean that it's the right thing to do, but uh, we feel pretty good about the results we're getting so far this year. Uh Against left-handed batters, all balls in play on the infield. So far, we've got an actual BABIP, so batting average on balls in play, of 212. And using just the vector analysis, if we assumed that we were in the straight-up alignment, we would expect that BABIP to be uh, more like 266, 270, 260, 270. You know, it's, it's a little bit inexact, but uh, we feel pretty good about the analysis. And... Our margin against right-handed batters is is much less extreme, uh, but still slightly positive. We've we've recorded a 287 BABIP to this point, and we expect that to be more in the 290-295 range if we were playing straight up. And uh, we think we may have had some issues early in the season against right-handed batters that we've hammered out. So hopefully that'll that gap will continue to widen as we go. Uh, so putting that in terms of of hits saved and runs saved, we estimate that against left-handed batters this year, compared to the straight-up alignment, that's, that comes out to about 23 or 24 runs knocked off the board. And likewise, against right-handed batters, that comes out to about 17 runs knocked off the board. And of course, at no team plays in straight-up all the time, so every team should be expected to outperform straight-up, so one way we think about that is just how well does the, does, do the other 29 teams do compared to straight up, and then we compare ourselves against that to kind of make it an apples to apples. So compared to the average team, then, we're estimating that we've saved about 12 or 13 runs against left-handed batters and more like five runs against right-handed batters, which would be good for first and sixth, respectively, uh, in MLB so far this year. So we're... Uh, extremely happy with the with the results i think the coaching staff jerry jeff the whole front office uh we feel really good about it and uh it's exciting no no doubt especially the numbers against lefties it really jumps off the page that is a big difference between actual babbit and expected babbit as well that's impressive how hard is it to take into account an individual's defensive capabilities when you're looking at the shift that's a fantastic question. These results, I should mention, uh, built in, since they are based on what's actually occurred, is the defensive abilities of our infielders. We do have other uh, evaluation metrics we look at, which sort of would be like what we would expect to happen given the average uh, talent of an infielder. 
but they've lined up pretty well uh, to this point. But I mean, you you have to play to the strengths of your infielders, and so you know we will adjust things uh, for that purpose. You know, like we know Robbie's got a great arm and great hands, so we can feel confident putting him you know, in the line of fire, so to speak, on some uh, hard hit line drives and things like that. Uh, but, yeah, it's, you know, the, the it is very difficult to separate out the talent of your players from the results of what's happening. I'm glad you mentioned Robbie because I've been really impressed with what he has done this season because you think about the time he grew up until now, I mean, a lot of the time was playing second base, playing at the second base position. And now when you watch a game, You'll see him, like against David Ortiz, playing right field, playing on the other side towards shortstop. I mean, he is, at this point, maybe more than any other player, maybe I'm wrong on this, but maybe more than any other player, in more different positions than anyone else. I We don't have exact numbers on that, but I would have to think that he probably moves around more than any infielder in MLB this <laughs> season. Because, I mean... Uh, we've just heard the numbers. We, we're moving our infield around as much or more than any other team, and the second baseman is the guy that you know is is, the, is moving the most. Uh, and yeah, Robbie has taken to it extremely well. He's he's kind of the captain of the infield out there with what he's doing. Uh, it's been great to watch. I'm really interested too in the metrics coming out for catching, which. A lot of them are very new, and it's it seems like a very difficult thing to break down. How do you look like? How do you look at defense from the catching position? Yeah, so there's you know I think uh, catcher framing has been a hot button issue for feels like over a decade now, and there's always been a degree of skepticism from the fans and from front offices as well, just about how reliable those numbers are. Sometimes you'll see some eye-poppingly huge numbers that are credited to catcher framing. Uh, so I guess we, we, we have some internal stuff that we think adds some extra light on that, but I'll just start with saying that one thing, one way that we look at it is, you know, we start with what is the average value of converting a ball to a strike or vice versa. And, you know, so you got to factor in the count, the situation, all these things. You know, if it's strike three, it's worth quite a bit. If it's strike one, not so much. So there's, we've, we've taken a look at that, and more or less we come down to a number at about uh, 0.15 runs for every ball that's converted to a strike uh, by the catcher. So if, if Zunino or Ionetta, you know, gets a, a really great frame, that we view as highly improbable, they might be awarded a tenth, a, a tenth of a run in our eyes. Uh, but I think one thing when it comes to catcher framing that, that really just obscures it and isn't talked about enough is just how important pitcher command is. If a catcher has to reach for a ball, they lose all ability to frame, to frame that pitch. So and if and likewise or on the other end of the spectrum, if your pitcher is dotting the corner, a catcher might be awarded frame credit, but really it should be credit that's going to the pitcher because he's getting that expanded zone. And you know you could say, oh, the umpire shouldn't be doing that or whatever, but it, it makes it easier for the umpire to see. They know they're expecting it there. It goes there. Sometimes they're just going to get those calls. Uh, so I think the scale of catcher of catcher framing is still in question. There's a lot more research to be done. But 
we certainly believe in it, and uh, yeah, it's 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 a really interesting quandary that we continue to look at. I think people would be fascinated to know about just the course of your average day. I mean, we just ripped off a couple of topics here. How many different things in the course of an average day are you into? It seems like more and more by the day. Uh, I, I I used to mostly just be buried doing my own research, primarily uh, player projections and team projections, because I just love that stuff, and that's what I was initially brought on to do. Uh, but now I've got a few people that I'm that are are working under me and with me, and so there's a lot more collaboration, and there's so much more data that I will be, I could be involved in anything on any given day. Like StatCast is taking up a lot of my time. Our internal web development, I, I could probably go on and on about. It, it really just comes down to what the leadership feels that we need right now. And, you know, in this game, there's so much happening that that can change on a dime. Especially, I can imagine, with the trading deadline time and now even on the waiver trading deadline is this kind of your busiest time of year especially in terms of evaluating other players absolutely the trading deadline is just mayhem uh <laughs> i'd say winter the winter meetings are probably the singular moment of most busyness just because you have everyone together and it is a frenzy but uh yeah the, and you know and i live for that stuff the trading deadline is awesome now Less so, you know, I'd say this is more par for the course during the season. You know, we're still looking at other players and stuff, but for the most part, we have our team, and we'll just be focusing more on performance metrics and and things to help the coaching staff. Well, thanks again. This was fun as always. We'll do it again soon. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.